0: Mm-hmm. All right, 2 minutes, folks. I'm sorry, 3 minutes. Like I was downloading an up uh, an upgrade thing.
1: Good morning. We're glad to see you today. Well, to at least know you're there this morning, we look forward to seeing you in the very near future. But we're glad you've joined us to worship today. This is the Lord's Day. This is a time for us to come together as the body of Christ, to rejoice in the Lord and all that He has done for us, all that He promises to do. Let's lift His voice together today. Let's worship Him.
2: The Lord is King, your Lord and
3: King adore. Rejoice, give thanks and sing and triumph ever. truth and love. When he had purged our saints, he took his seat up. Our Lord the judge shall come and take his servants up to their return.
1: Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that we can gather even while we're apart. Lord, in spirit, we are together as we worship you today. So, Lord, we rejoice in all that you are to us. Lord, you have done so very, very much for us. And, Lord, for that, we are grateful and we rejoice in you today. And, Lord, you promise so very much for us as your children. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we can find in you. Lord, for assurance that we find in you Lord, for provision, for protection. Lord, for all that you do, today we rejoice. So, Lord, we pray that you would be blessed by all that we do as we gather today. Lord, I pray that you'd be blessed by our singing. Lord, I pray you'd be blessed as your word is brought. And, Lord, I pray that you would be blessed as we respond to your Holy Spirit as you work in us today. Lord, we give this hour to you. Lord, it is for you. And, Lord, we pray that as we lift you up, we'd be drawn to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
0: Well, I want to say welcome to you for worship on this special day. Every day is good because it is a day the Lord has made and we will will rejoice and be glad in it. But this is a day where we've come to set aside to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it's also a special day because this is a day where we have chosen to set aside an opportunity as a people to honor and to remember our mothers, my Good friend, Margaret Wise, gave to me uh, just a week or so ago an article by Irma Bombeck. It was an old article, but Ar- Irma Bombeck wrote an article entitled Creating Mothers Was a Big Job. And after reading that article, I literally sat back and just wondered in awe, thinking of my own mother and of all the things that she had done and all the th- all the ways she was to me. And it caused me to be reminded of the sacrifice, sacrificial love which our mothers have made on our behalf in order to nurture us. And so on this day, we want to honor our mothers and we want to remember those who have gone on to be in glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. Allow this video to remind you a bit about the sacrificial love of mothers, especially yours.
4: Today is a day of honor for moms. For every mother in every stage of life, today is a day of honor. We honor moms of infants and little ones. May God bless you with patience, kindness, and perseverance, and may you believe that your never-ending job will help bring true life to the generations that follow. We honor moms of teenagers. May God give you grace upon grace. And may you travel this uncertain journey together with them as they transition from child to adult. We honor women who are trying to have children, but who are not yet able. It took courage and resolve to come to church today. May God gently remind you that he has not forgotten you. And may you become newly inspired to keep your eyes fixed on the light of his gaze. We honor grandmothers today. May God give you the grace to see the good that you provided to your own children. And may you help inspire your grandkids to follow Jesus with every step they take. And finally, we honor moms who have lost children prematurely. May God be your strength and comfort on a day like today, and may you rise stronger than ever to be a blessing to others. For those we mentioned and for the many unidentified moms that we didn't, God has always used a mother's love and strength to make known his own love and strength. In your best moments and in your imperfections, the glory of God is shining through you. Happy Mother's Day.
0: I'm going to ask you to join me in our praying this morning for mothers and ask you to pray specifically in this way. If your mother is living, would you take a moment To pray, ask God to bless her, to strengthen her today, and for God to bestow upon her the grace and mercy which is so worthy of what it means to be a mother. Would you pray for your mother if she is living today? Father, for all of those mothers today, may they see your face, and Father, may they hear your voice. And understand the love of their children and of their grandchildren. If your mother is deceased, then I would ask you to pray in this way. Pray a prayer of thanksgiving for her. For through her, God has chosen get to give life to you and to love you unconditionally. If your mother is deceased, why don't you call out to the Lord to have grace and mercy upon you? As you walk this pathway in remembrance of her life given for you. Would you pray now? Father, for our mothers who have gone on to join you in that heavenly place. Lord God, we want to give thanks first and foremost. Father, for the life which you gave to us through her and, Father, may you give us the opportunity to be mindful in this day, to be grateful to, to, uh, to you for all that she has taught. And, Lord God, let us honor her gift of nurture by serving you this day. In the precious and holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
3: sure. So Sufficient, perfect delight. Visions of rapture, now burst on my sight. Angels descend. God. Oh.
1: matter what comes our way in life. He is able. He overcomes. He leads us through. He walks with us. He guides us. He blesses us even in the midst of storms. A new song has come on the scene, oh, I guess in about the last year or so. But I think the words of it are probably um, maybe more heartfelt in these last weeks and months. Than before because of the words this text is so wonderful uh, It reminds us that our God is a way maker He is a promise keeper He is everything that we need whatever comes in life You may or may not have heard it before But just encourage you as as we sing through this To join us when you can But particularly pay attention to these wonderful w- words about our waymaker. Thank you.
2: you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. worship you, you are here, you're turning life around, I worship you, I worship you.
0: as we pray, Father, how good and gracious it is to be able to experience you as our way maker, our light in the darkness, our miracle worker. Father, we have known you in such ways, and this morning we want to say thank you. Father, You are at work even when we do not see it, even when we do not feel it. Father, You are never idle, but Lord God, You are always at work in our lives. And Father, always at work in this world, redeeming us to Yourself. And Lord God, You are the Messiah who gave the Son that we might have life eternal. May You be glorified now. In the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen. I know you have your Bibles with you, so I encourage you to have them open again to the third chapter of John's Gospel. John chapter 3. And our focus will be on verses 22 through 30 this morning. Uh, This will be our final time of virtual worship uh, hopefully this will be our final time of virtual worship for next Sunday morning. We invite you to come and worship in person live with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We want you to be in this sanctuary so we can look at each other face to face and we can see the glory of God upon each face as well. Next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. as you come to worship, you'll notice there are some things which will be different than normal. Uh, we will have only one entrance available for you, and that will be on the west side. That will be from the parking lot to the Horseshoe Drive. We will have one entrance, and as you enter into the, into the building... You will sanitize your hands. We will have people ready there to give to you that sanitizer so that you can be prepared to enter into the sanctuary. As you come into the sanctuary, the only available seating will be in the front sections. There are five sections from west. east, And those sections will be the only ones available for seating. And as you are seated, we are requiring you to social distance with those who are not a part of your family. Families can certainly sit together, but we're going to help you social distance as well. Next Sunday, as we come to worship, there will not be a passing of the offering plate. But yet there will be places in at the doors as you exit in order for you to give your offering Even now, you have the opportunity to give your offering online at fbcbigspring.org slash give. You can always give that virtually online. Uh, There will not be an order of worship. There will not be a meet and greet. But things will be different. But we want you to be here unless you feel compromised. ...or else you feel uncomfortable coming around people. If you're 65 and older, or, uh, we're encouraging, encouraging you to stay home and uh, to worship God uh, with us there. But you're certainly welcome to come. But uh, we encourage you to wear a face mask uh, when you do. Uh, face masks are not required, uh, but they are recommended if you are compromised in your physical condition... Or if you feel uncomfortable being around others. So, next Sunday morning, 10 a.m., we want you to come and to worship live with us. John chapter 3, verses 22 through 30. We're coming. To the toward the end of our study of John's gospel, the third chapter, for we are dedicating the year 2020 to study about the Jesus story as reported by John. Now, we have four gospel writers in the New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Three of those gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, speak primarily to what Jesus did. John, though. Speaks primarily to who Jesus is. And all throughout this third chapter, John has been shouting to us in various ways that Jesus Christ, he is the Messiah. His chapter, this third chapter began with Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus did not understand. So Jesus gave an illustration by reminding Nicodemus of the wilderness wandering as Moses was commanded by God to erect a pole in the midst of the camp of those who had been liberated from Egypt and on top of that pole to place a bronze serpent. For snakes had been infiltrating the camp and people were bitten and were dying. And if anyone, according to God, through Moses would look to that bronze serpent, then he would not experience death, but he would experience life. And then immediately in verse 16, Jesus makes a connection. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. See, Nicodemus was confused when Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus thought he was talking about physical birth. And then he tells Nicodemus a story about the lifting up of the serpent in the wilderness and said, you will... If they look, then they will not die a physical death. So so he says, Nicodemus, I'm not talking about physical birth and physical death, but in John chapter three, sixteen, verse sixteen, he speaks of spiritual life, and he speaks of spiritual death. And then Jesus explains the parable of the wilderness wandering to Nicodemus. And he says, those who choose to follow me, who by faith choose to follow me, will not walk in darkness, but he or she will walk in the light. And now John closes out this third chapter by speaking of and showing what it means to walk in the light. And he gives an example, the example of John the Baptist. For all throughout chapter 3, John is wanting people to understand Jesus is the Messiah. And now he's even giving the testimony of John the Baptist of who Jesus is. Let's walk through these words. John chapter 3 verse 22 and then we'll simply read down to verse 30. John writes, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent time with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing at Anon and Salim because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put into prison. John makes a notation Verse 25, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man, Jesus, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. And it is now complete. And then John makes this statement which has stood the, the, the test of time. John declares, for he must increase and I must decrease. We've already learned and been introduced to John the Baptist by John in the first chapter of his gospel, verses 19 through 28. For there John declares he is not the Messiah, but he has come to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And now we encounter him again in the third chapter. This time bearing witness of Jesus being the Messiah. John the Baptist was quite an interesting character. From his birth, he never cut his hair. He wore camel skin garments. And he ate locust and wild honey. In fact, some people have said that he probably looked like a cross between a homeless man and Bigfoot. You just you just he, he just looked strange. Now can you imagine John the Baptist going into the local McCamel's restaurant? And he orders a McLocust burger with lots of honey on it. And then the kid taking his order behind the counter asks him. Now, 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 here it comes. You'll want to write this one down. He asks him, "Would you like flies with that?" All right, all right. I, I'm sorry. I, I I had that in my repertoire, and I just had to use it. But John the Baptist was quite an interesting character. And we cannot underestimate the importance of John the Baptizer. For John was the last in the long line of Old Testament prophets. And it was through John that God broke his 400 years of silence. And through John's message and through his preaching... The people, tired of the discipline of God, listened to the message of God through John the baptizer. And they repented of their sins. And in their repentance, they flocked to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And a a revival was breaking out among God's people at this time. All because of one man who was faithful to preach a powerful nine-word sermon. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. One man made a radical difference amongst the people who needed good news. Friends, you and I are living in the midst of a people who are desperate for good news. In the midst of a pandemic where our lives are being turned upside down. In a day when food is becoming scarce and a day when people are losing their jobs and there is loss of our liberties in our own nation, we are living in the midst of a people in desperate need of good news. And you are the one whom God has chosen to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ in their lives. You are the one chosen. To be the forerunner of Jesus Christ in their lives. John, the baptizer, was living in the light. Because he was following Jesus Christ. And he knew Jesus was the Messiah. And John was able to make such a radical difference in the lives of these people. Because of four attitudes. Which guided his life. And the first attitude was this. It is to avoid the trap of jealousy. We read of how John's disciples came to Jesus. And uh, came to John to report they were losing followers. They they said, this man Jesus, you baptize. He's over there baptizing now. He's doing what you were doing. And all the people are following after Jesus. Him, that they were alarmed at the popularity of Jesus and how their own following was growing smaller and smaller. Jealousy was growing in their hearts. See, jealousy is the resentment of someone else's success or failure. You see, even we as Christians, we, we have that struggle at times of dealing with jealousy. After all, what if someone who works with you is promoted to the job where, which you deserve? Would you be jealous? What if you are, looking, are friends with some folk and you recognize and realize that they seem to be better looking than you? Or perhaps they have more friends than you. Or perhaps they live in a bigger house or have a shinier car than you. Is there a tendency for you at times to become jealous of others? Unfortunately, there is jealousy within the church as well. I've experienced it. I've watched it happen and take place. I've experienced people who are jealous because they do not get to seeing As many solos as they think they ought. Or people who become jealous and upset because their names were written, their names were left off a list of appreciation for workers at vacation Bible school and they become upset and jealous because they did not get that recognition as well. I've seen it time and time again how even Sunday school teachers get jealous When another class has more members attending that class than their class. (laughs) I've seen where teachers uh, are jealous because somebody else has a better room or a larger room or better furnishings. Or they resent when class members leave their class to go to another class. You see, jealousy can grow in the heart and the follower of Jesus Christ. But Jesus in his popularity, caused jealousy in the followers of John's disciples. But John the baptizer refused to be jealous of Jesus. And so when those followers of John the baptizer came and complaining about the growing popularity of Jesus, John said, great, that's exactly what I want. He says, I can receive only what I have been given from heaven, for I am not the Messiah. He is. John was, was thankful. He was thankful for the gift God had given to him. John was thankful that God had chosen him to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And friends, there's a lesson in all of this for us. That you and I need to be thankful for what God has given to us. Be thankful for how He has gifted us. Be thankful for how He has chosen to use us. In fact, we are to rejoice in what God has given to us. And even rejoice in what God has given to others. For you see, the light in which we live does not shine on us. We live in the light of Jesus Christ. And that's how John was able to point others to Jesus. Because he saw and knew Jesus was the Messiah. But there's a second attitude of John the Baptist. That enabled him to live in the light. And that is to recognize your role in relation... To Jesus. Go back to verses 28 and 29. John says, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. Verse 29, he says, he who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend stands by and listens for him. Early in his ministry, thousands of religious leaders came out of Jerusalem into the wilderness to see this strange man wearing camel skin garments and to ask him if he was the long awaited Messiah. But John, the baptizer, refused to accept their accolades and over and over again, he insisted he was not the Messiah. He said to them, he said, I'm just a voice crying out in the wilderness To prepare the way for the Lord. John knew who he was. And John knew who he was not. John knew he was not, he was not the Messiah. But John knew he was the friend of the Messiah. The forerunner. He knew he was not the bridegroom. He was simply the friend of the bridegroom. Now, Jewish weddings are different from weddings in the Western world. In our culture, the focus of the wedding is always on the bride. Time and time again, I've stood at an altar and listened as the musicians begin playing. It is time for the bride to enter into the sanctuary. And as the musicians begin to play, the mother of the bride stands, and that is a a sign to everyone else to stand. And as they stand, they all turn to the back of the sanctuary, the back of the church. The doors come open, and there's the bride standing in white. Escorted by her father, she makes her way down the aisle. And I instruct folk, That when the bride comes down the aisle, you keep your eyes on her. You look at her as she is in the back. And as she comes down, you follow her with your eyes. As she gets to parallel to where you are, you look at her. As she passes by you, then you turn and you follow her until she gets to the altar. The focus is always on the bride. But in Jewish weddings, the star of the wedding is The bridegroom. He is the one. Who has all the focus. Placed. Upon him. And and John recognized. That there was a wedding. Coronation taking place. And he had not been chosen by God. To be the bridegroom. He had been chosen by God. To be the best man. Because the best man. In the Jewish wedding. Makes sure. Everybody's eyes. Eyes. Or upon the bridegroom. He makes sure that nothing detracts from that bridegroom. And friends, if we are to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ in the lives of others, then we must not do anything or say anything which would detract others from seeing the heavenly groom. But to be like John the Baptist. And as friends of the groom, we should commit our lives To making the bridegroom famous. Friends, it is not about me. It is not about you. It is all about Jesus Christ. And once you recognize your role in your relationship with the Creator, then life starts to make sense. That everything in life. Is designed to give glory to God. We're to live for not for our glory, but the glory of the Father. And in the midst of that light God gives us, He gives us opportunities to serve Him. And instead of being jealous of others, we accept what God has given. We rejoice in that, and we point others to the Bridegroom. But there's a third attitude. Which was helped guide John the baptizer's life. And that is to discover the source of real joy. Go back to verse 29. But the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him. Rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. And then John says, so this joy of mine is complete. Knowing he was to announce the bridegroom, when he heard the voice of Jesus, there was a joy that radiated in his soul. And friends, I can tell you, recognizing the voice of the Lord always brings joy, for Jesus Christ is the source of joy. Jesus declared in John chapter 15 and verse 11... I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Friends, when you hear the voice of the master, there is great joy. Jesus in John chapter 10 told us, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, that is not just an audible hearing, but an understanding and a recognition of who he is. Back in the time of Jesus, a sheepfold would contain perhaps multiple flocks from multiple shepherds. And if you were to simply look at that one sheepfold, they would all look alike to you. You could not separate who be- which belongs to the other but yet, and, and because you did not brand sheep like you brand cattle. But the shepherd trained each of his individual sheep to recognize his voice. And when it came time for the shepherd to gather his flock, he would simply say, let's go. And only his sheep would start to move and would leave the sheepfold. Friends, many voices are calling you and me today. Many voices are reaching out to you and to me today. And unfortunately, most of them are coming out of a screen. Whether it is a computer or a laptop or an iPad or a cell phone or some other kind of of screen like a television. Many voices are crying out to you. My question is, do you recognize the voice of the Master? And you see... When you recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd of Jesus, there is great joy as you follow Him. But if the joy of the Lord is missing in your life, then you will have a hard time being the forerunner of Jesus in the lives of others. Friends, if you cannot recognize the voice of the Lord, then you are at trouble at the very start. How do you recognize the voice of the Lord? You come to recognize His voice through intimacy with the Lord. That is spending time with Him in His Word. That is seeking His face in prayer. Learning to hear what God's voice sounds like through His message, through the Holy Spirit. Friends, if you're not listening to the voice of the Lord you do not recognize Him, then you're at trouble at the very heart of your relationship with God. But you see, John the baptizer knew the voice of the Master, the voice of Jesus, and he says that it brings great joy to me. But there's one last attitude which enabled John the baptizer to live in the light. And that was to allow... Christ to control more of his daily life. Now, here's the proof. John the baptizer was living in the light. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. When John made that commitment to the Lord, it radically changed his life. It radically changed the direction of his life. When he made that commitment to decrease so Jesus might increase, it settled for him many issues as to what he would do, what he would say, where he would go, what kind of person he would be. It even settled the issue as to what would be the dream of his life. And if John the baptizer had the dream of being the most popular preacher in all of Israel, then that was set to the fire when he said, Jesus must increase and not me. For he's no longer popular. People were leaving him and going to Jesus. The fact that Christ might increase and he might decrease even led him to speak a word to King Herod and his, his conniving wife Herodias. Which caused them to throw him into prison and now prison became his pulpit. The man who had the heart and the ear of every religious leader in, Jer- in Jerusalem while he was preaching in the wilderness was now preaching from a prison cell and it cost him his life. For he was beheaded by Herodias. But even in his death it was proof he completed his task. For the task of of John, the baptizer, was to introduce Jesus to the world. Jesus must increase I must decrease. Only six words. Six words. Friends, do you want the Lord Jesus Christ to grow larger and larger in you? It will only happen as you continuously humble yourself and you get smaller and smaller in yourself. See, I am nothing. You are nothing, But Jesus is everything. And God has given to you and to me the task of increasing Jesus in our community and in our world. In the darkened days in which we live. Jesus is the only light which can illuminate the pathway to eternal life. For Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, no one can come unto the Father except through me. Darkness, though, does not comprehend the light of Jesus. And so darkness rebels against all those who would seek to increase his good news. And so, friends, I say this to you. If you want that commitment of John the Baptist for Jesus Christ to grow larger and larger in you and you to grow smaller and smaller, there may come a time when you face a crisis. And it may be a crisis of belief. God, I thought I was being true to you. I was doing exactly what you have asked me to do, what you have called me to do. But God, I do not see anyone moving toward you. And in fact, God, I'm being ridiculed and and I'm being set aside and persecuted because I'm trying to be true to you. Lord God, it feels as if someone's trying to cut off my emotional head. And you might come to this crisis of belief where you say, God, can you really make a difference in somebody's life through me? Friends, listen. And watch the life of John the Baptist. For when Christ increases in you, you will complete your task. All throughout Scripture, we're taught and commanded to decrease. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3, God gave of the first of the commandments. says, you shall have no other God before me. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Put him first. Let him increase and you decrease. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 16, Jesus said, the first will be last and the last will be first. So Christian, I have one final question. Who is Who rules your life? Have you come to the point of faith where you look to Jesus Christ and you see him as the author and finisher of your faith? You see him as the only one who can bring light in the midst of your darkness. And you believe He is the only one who is able to bring about life eternal through the forgiveness of your sins by His death upon the cross of Calvary. That He was sent by God to pay that price so you would not have to. Is He ruling your life? Well, if Jesus Christ is not ruling your life, then today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you come before Him And by faith, you say, Lord, I have no other option. I trust you and I receive you today. Christian, who's ruling your life? Is it the Lord Jesus Christ that is growing larger and larger in you and you are shrinking smaller and smaller? Or else do you find yourself becoming larger than Christ in your life? You're relying upon your own wisdom to make decisions. You're relying upon your own acumen in order to gain wealth and to gain sustenance in this world. But Friends, I can say to you, if you will seek first the kingdom of God, He promises all these things will be added unto you. Here's my translation of that, my West Texas translation of that. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And God says, now take care of everything else. When He becomes large and you become small. Friends, God takes care of everything else. Perhaps you are seeking to know what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to email me, mark at fbcbigspring.org. Just send me a little note. It will come just to me. No one else will see it. And I can follow up and help you through that, through that process of knowing what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Christian, perhaps you need somebody to pray with you. You need somebody to pray for you. Your church family, your church staff stands ready to pray, to intercede for you. You send an email to help at fbcbigspring.org and we will begin praying for you. You don't have to give us details. Just say, I'm in need for your intercession on my behalf. See, who's ruling your life today? The one who is largest in you Is the one who rules your life Father I thank you That you gave of your only begotten son That whosoever would believe in him Would not perish but have everlasting life And I thank you that those who believe in him Walk in light and not in darkness And father that the light of Christ guides us Father, we want more of that lot. We want to experience more of what the lot has to offer. Father, we want you to grow bigger and larger in us that, and as we grow smaller in ourselves. Father, thank you that as we seek you first, you supply all our needs. For those who are wondering and, and And wanting to know more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Father I pray that you would continue to place people in his or her life. To help them along that pathway. I pray that you would give them the courage to send an email to me. So that they can know exactly how much God loves of them. Father for every child of God uh, that is listening to my voice. I pray that you would encourage them to to look at themselves, to judge themselves, to see who is larger. They are You. And Father, if they find out that they are larger than You in their lives, that they would humble themselves and to seek Your face and turn from their wicked ways. Father, You are holy and righteous. Thank You for Your grace. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Before we go, let me remind you, next Sunday morning, 10 a.m., Here in this sanctuary, worship with us live. May God bless you this week as you experience Him.